1: Yeah! This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky coming to you from my office in New Athens, Illinois.
0: And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from my office in in Ascension Lutheran Church in South St. Louis.
1: And this is
0: Wrestling Wrestling with with the the Basics.
1: basics. And just remember, it could be worse.
0: (laughs) I like that, Matt. (laughs) I I like that. We learned that last week, right? It could always be worse. It could be worse. (laughs) Um,
1: uh, Again, continuing our kind of summer series of trying to give people consumer advice. Uh, We we, we warned them, you know, last week that you really need to be careful about buying tickets. Make sure you get the right – you don't want to get – you don't want to order tickets for Hamilton and end up with tickets to (laughs) Ham-A-Ton.
0: Been there, done that, John, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You learn Um,
1: the hard way. Well, again, yet another example. Experience, so we, we we were doing some traveling. We went to see my grandson uh, graduate from Purdue University.
0: Oh, very nice! Congratulations.
1: I, I some name dropping there. Um, and as we were going along Interstate seventy, there is a town called Casey, Illinois. Uh, and this this is for you too if you're if you're traveling out towards Indiana on seventy. Okay, Casey, Illinois, which calls itself, I, I think the uh, the the small town with big things or something like that. <laughs> I should just well,
0: down with a big
1: thing. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a Christian fellow there, too because I think what's neat is is that all of these displays have Bible verses associated with them. Okay, um, but but they have they they have some of the Guinness Book World Record largest items. Oh, well, so that's they worth have, stopping to see. Well, it is it is really cool because they have like the world's largest rocking chair, nice. and I mean it's a, it's the size of a two or three-story house. I mean, we're talking about a a big, big rocking chair. It is the world's largest. Um, the world's largest uh, uh, pitchfork, the world's largest uh, uh, wind chimes. So Those are really, really cool. Whoa. And again, do- and again they're, they're decorated with Christian symbols on them and huh. everything.
0: Do they work? Um, I mean, do they, chime? they Actually,
1: well, Yeah, so that's the wow. thing. To, to qualify, they actually have to work. The rocking chair has How to rock. Uh, huh. The chimes actually work. They have the world's largest mailbox. And you literally can put mail in it. And you know, the little red flag that's on there to indicate that it has mail. When you put the mail in it, this gigantic red flag about the size of of two Cadillacs will, will lift up. (laughs) <laughs> to Is that right? To, and I don't know if they have the world's largest mailman or not. <laughs> uh, they do have the world's largest golf tee. They have the world's largest golf club. Did not see the world's largest golf ball. So
0: <laughs> that they, they must have, be that's somewhere else. Yeah, they've, they've cornered the market on largest stuff. That's incredible on in one place.
1: So Casey, Casey, Illinois is a place you want to visit. Uh, and it's worth getting off the freeway to see these things. On the other hand, Chasey, Illinois, (laughs) which is the home of some large stuff. (laughs) Don't waste your time.
0: (laughs) Large stuff.
1: Large stuff. Yeah. They're obviously trying to play off of the reputation of Casey, but, (laughs) but again, we didn't know any better. We thought, well, man, you know, uh, the world's largest rocking chair. What, Wonder what they have at Chasey. Well, yeah. uh, so, so well, they had they had the world's uh, not well, it wasn't the world's largest. I'll give them that, but they did say it was it was a a, a large stick pin. And, and what it was was just a big nail, <laughs> which, which I mean, that would be large for a stick pin. I I can't argue with that, but I don't know if it's worth getting off the freeway. Uh, so they had the 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 largest car- baby carrot, largest baby carrot, and, and I think it was just a carrot, <laughs> which again would be large for a baby carrot. But uh, and a the one that carrot. I, well the one that disturbed me was they had the 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 the, the, the incredibly large pea. Uh-huh. And I think okay. I think it was just a softball painted green. I'm not <laughs> sure, but that's what it looked like to me.
0: It was not yeah. worth the stock. No,
1: no. <laughs> kind of a.
0: Chase... Go ahead. Yeah, it's kind of a second rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Biggest things place. Biggest Cheesy Illinois. Place.
1: Yeah, yeah. Chasey, Chasey. Cheesy Illinois. You don't want to go there either.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's a whole just. Other story. It's
1: just cheesy. Everything there is (laughs) easy, But anyway, Casey, a fun place to go if you're looking for really, again, world's, and I'll just give, one of the things that tickled me is they had the former, and I thought that was interesting, because I'm wondering where the, the largest is now, but they had the former world's largest knitting needles there. Okay, so
0: the, the, this world's second largest knitting needles. <laughs>
1: Who knew there was this competition going on about people making the world's largest stuff? But somewhere, somewhere else, decided to have a. But what was cool is on these uh, former world's largest knitting needles, they had that Bible passage about we've been knit together. Oh, you know, that passage! Some of us thought, well, yeah. that's a that's a cool application of cool nice. verse. And all of them, they had the world's largest pencil and stuff, and. Uh, so it was. It was a fun place to go. Nice food there too. All right. Yeah. Anyway, enough of our our uh, <laughs> vacation uh, advice. Well, thank I, you for the summertime tips, John. Well, we, we may have more. It's a long summer, Matt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and thanks for giving us fair warning about that too. That's right.
1: <laughs> um. So, so have you been preaching from the Gospel of John?
0: Uh yeah, occasionally I'm skipping all over the place, John. I'm I'm I in am, the Gospel, okay. John. I'm in Acts. I'm all over. Yeah.
1: Well, I actually had occasion to preach from from John twice because uh, you know we do a lot of Johannian uh, gospel lessons after Easter, uh, and something struck me that I'd never really thought about before. You, you know what they say about real estate, Matt? It's it's uh, location, location, yes. location.
0: Yep, that's right. At,
1: and it I dawned on me that's pretty much how you need to read the Gospel of John. That in all of these stories, he gives you a very given location, and I don't know if I really realized how significant that location was. Oh, and God, it has a yeah. big part to play with the story. So, kind of just share it with a few examples of that. Yeah,
0: because I, I don't think you know. I speak for myself too, John. You know, I think a lot of times we just take those individual accounts kind of in a vacuum. Yeah, we, we read the teachings and the miracles that, that Jesus works, and we we forget and just put aside entirely where he's at uh, because he travels quite a bit, you know, in all the Gospels. So, yeah that's I'm interested to hear this John yeah
1: and, and I think definitely in the Gospel of John, whatever he sets up for location, there's going to be some significance to that and and, and I honestly yeah. must admit that until this last year I probably overlooked a lot of that, although let me start with one that I, I I didn't overlook and and I think a lot of the commentators comment on if you could read uh the location for John chapter three just just read uh verses one and two, I think that oh yeah set this is a
0: up. huge chapter. Really important one. Okay. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So I'm
1: talking to my wife, Lynn, about this and pointed out, well, so the location here is that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And, of course, my, my wife, you love your wife, don't you, Matt?
0: Oh, yeah. Most yeah, definitely. I do too.
1: Uh and so she says to me, "Well, you know, technically, John, that's not a location, that's a time." That's a <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. So so let me rephrase. Maybe it's not so much about the location, Lynn. You're, you've got me there. But it is about the setting. Let's put it yeah. that way. Fair it's enough. the setting okay. of all the right. stories. Okay. Yes. But there is no saying setting, setting, setting. See? <laughs> so that won't work for an intro. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but the real will go, yeah, it's setting, setting. No, it's location. Okay. Look, well, right. anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So admittedly, it is the setting. But, but now, I'm sure you've preached on this before. Have you ever done anything with the fact that he comes to jesus by night have you ever
0: well he seems to be sneaking around to me john you know he's coming by night and maybe that's it you know he's of the pharisees you know maybe he doesn't want the other his other pharisee buddies to know that he's coming to jesus at all uh you know and it it seems as though he's you know questioning who jesus is um but yeah to me it's he he's coming under the cover of darkness we might say so so again, that's that's significant. I, I don't think John throws that
1: detail in just because he looked at his watch and said, Oh yeah, it's dark outside. Uh uh No, you're you're right. I and I agree with you. I think part of the point is that Nicodemus obviously doesn't want to be known. Isn't that crazy that Nicodemus only comes forward after Jesus dies?
0: Yes, yeah, at his burial. That's right. He's there one of Long Joseph Arimathea takes Jesus' body down and puts it in the tomb.
1: So he's obviously embarrassed about his associating with Jesus, interested in Jesus, uh, puzzled by Jesus. But uh, I don't want to come out publicly, uh, give anybody any reason to think that I might favor Jesus. Um, Another commentator I read points out that, that John loves the image of light and dark, doesn't
0: he? Yeah, yeah, that contrast. Yeah, that's a good point, too.
1: Yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, Jesus uh, comes into the darkness, and the darkness uh, does not recognize him. Uh, so so I'm just saying, see, that's the point. When you read that story, you need to realize, oh, okay, there, there's something significant about that. This. this is night, uh, both in terms of Nicodemus' cowardliness, maybe also in terms of Nicodemus' own darkness, because uh, Jesus says something that seems pretty straightforward to us, that a man must be born again. And, of course, Nicodemus has no idea what Jesus is talking about about uh, Well, let's move on to it to another another story where again the setting I think is important. If you could read the beginning of John chapter 10. Not not the beginning, I'm sorry, uh verses 22 23 of John chapter 10.
0: Okay. Well, John, can I just say yeah. one more thing oh, please about John do. chapter yeah. three? So I, you know, that so that whole conversation with Nicodemus, you know, you mentioned light and darkness in a spiritual sense, you know. Uh, you know, it ends there, chapter 3, verse 19, uh, Jesus says the light has come to the world and people have loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, cool. and you wonder, boy, I mean, is, you know, Nicodemus obviously knows he's coming at night, he's coming under darkness. And you wonder if, boy, if that kind of pierced his heart when Jesus says that about, uh, equating darkness with evil here. Um, and then, you know, the importance he goes on, Jesus, of course, to, uh, but whoever does what is true comes into the light, uh, that it may be clearly seen that by his works, uh, they've been carried out by God. So you wonder, you know, if, if, if that was intentionally spoken by Jesus, because here they are standing in darkness <laughs> as Nicodemus comes to him.
1: Oh, and that's a great insight, man. I I see it. That's that's exactly my point. That's how you got to read John. He's using all these images. And and thank you for pointing out. I I didn't read far enough down there. But so he actually makes that explicit that, yeah, this business coming at night. No, there's a point to that uh, because he's in darkness. But I want him to come into the light. That's what I want. I I don't want to I don't want to destroy the people in darkness. I just want them to have the light shine on them so they can understand my love and my forgiveness. Uh, uh, so there you go. It's right, right yeah. there in the text. Okay, cool. Uh, All right. So, and then so where, are we, uh, tw- where are we headed John, again? John ten twenty two and twenty three. Another okay. setting.
0: Okay, so John ten uh, verses twenty two and twenty three. Uh, it says, "At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon." why don't you and, read the next verse too, Matt? Yeah. Okay. Uh so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, "How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly." So so I think again John is using uh, uh and this is
1: location, Lynn.
0: It's <laughs> a <laughs> setting. Legitimately but, a geographic location.
1: But we'll we'll keep calling it setting uh for a purpose. And and so the setting is where 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 are they meeting at, Matt? Okay,
0: yeah, so uh, Jerusalem, and specifically uh, in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So we're really specific about this location.
1: Yeah, and, and here again, I don't know how many times I've I've read this, preached on it. I, I did not notice this until uh, this particular year. Do you know what's significant about the colonnade of Solomon?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, maybe it's a warm place since
1: it's winter. <laughs> <laughs> so but, well thank you for bringing that up too, because I, I did read a comment that maybe that's a symbol, symbolic too. No, seriously, that yeah. you're talking about the coldness of hearts here. That's why he mentions in the winter. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but but anyway, uh, <laughs> it's a warm place. <laughs> so, so the colonnade of Solomon. Like I said, I never knew this before. Uh, according to the Jewish historian Eusebius, it, it was the only part of the temple that wasn't destroyed when the Babylonians had uh, conquered Israel and destroyed Jerusalem.
0: Okay, that, so this is the original. Well, you know, you know, yeah. So this is part of that older temple. Okay, yeah.
1: So, okay, so, so it's a war memorial, Matt. Yeah, okay. it's a war memorial. Right. We we do the same thing. We still have the uh, 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 <laughs> the the Alamo uh, down in Texas. Oh, yeah, you right? bet. Yeah. And it's a war memorial for us. And you can go to Hawaii and you can see uh, the ship, one of the ships that was sunk when the Japanese attacked us in World War II. And again, they've yeah. made that into a, world, a war memorial. And, and you can go to New York and you can go to where the Twin Towers fell. And again, uh, there's a war. So that's, I hadn't thought about that. So this is when when you go to the Portico of Solomon, you're thinking about that time that the Babylonians came and defeated you. But of course, the Babylonians they got defeated too, and and you returned, and the temple has been rebuilt, so you kind of rejoice in the fact. Uh, uh, but here's the other thing. Now, this is a time issue. I understand that. So, what is what time is this other than winter time? What's the specific detail?
0: So, uh, yeah, the the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem during winter time. So it's during this special festival. Um, yeah. And and, can, and
1: I, I I don't mean to put you on the spot because you you maybe didn't preach on this, but but you know what that feast of dedication. Well, I think, is all I about.
0: think it's a wintertime uh, Hanukkah recognition. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What, what what is the significance of Hanukkah?
0: Yeah, so uh, Hanukkah that was the that, that re rededication of the temple. Um, so uh, you know it's it's again you know. Kind of, I, I think there's kind of a connection to the Solomon thing there in a way. You know that this temple is, you know, re, this original building structure is being reused. It's now the temple, and yeah, Hanukkah it's this rededication of the temple after it was uh, desecrated.
1: Yeah, so so again, it's another, it's a political issue again, right? Because in this case, <coughs> I'm sorry. It was the Greeks who had come in. Oh, gosh. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, yeah, I think it was it
0: Antiochus Epiphanes. You know, the uh, didn't he slaughter a pig in the temple and, and do all these other things to really just desecrate the building?
1: Yeah, and so then then it was the Maccabees, uh, Judas oh, Macapace, yeah, 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 the yeah. Judas. He came and he defeated him and you're right. They cleaned it up and they rededicated it and everything. Well, th- the reason why I'm pointing this out is because then the Jews come to Jesus and they say, Are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. And when we hear the word Christ, what what do we think of, Matt?
0: Yeah, so we think of uh yeah, you know, we think of the Savior, the the yeah. promised one. Uh yeah, you know, for us is, you know, and, and yeah, is People today, I think that's probably what our thoughts go to, that anointed one.
1: So and it's and so a very thing that you talked about last week, the, the, the Savior of the world, right? That comes yeah, to forgive bet. our sins, to give us a ter- eternal life, salvation. But I, I, I think John's trying to remind us that's not what these Jews were thinking. They weren't thinking about those things. Uh, well, you've got it there, could you read, like, the last couple verses? I, I think verse, like, 20. I, I wish I had my Bible open. <laughs> I probably should do that in future times. <laughs> if we're going to talk about it, I should actually have the Bible open. But but read the, the couple of verses. Uh, they're 20, 21, I think, probably will take care of us.
0: Okay. Uh, well, 20, well, let's see, 20 twenty one comes before that account, John, so let me think oh, okay
1: uh, you need to start with nineteen verse nineteen oh, yeah. verse nineteen okay, 19 okay. through twenty one yeah
0: oh okay, I got you, okay, there is again a division among the Jews because of these words uh many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words are these not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon? Can a demon open the eyes of a bl- of the blind
1: so so what we need to d- understand is they're not arguing about is Jesus savior in fact, Matt, thank you so much for what you did last week because I hadn't thought about that. When they're arguing about whether you need to be circumcised or not circumcised, that's because they're not arguing about Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. Mm-hmm. They're thinking in, still in terms of him of being some kind of Jewish political leader. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Even the disciples after Jesus' resurrection, are you now going to reestablish the kingdom to to Israel? Uh, wow I never even thought about that. They they're concerned about the circumcision is because they don't understand who the Christ is. They're mm-hmm. still looking for but anyway that's my point. Is Jesus going to be the new Judas Maccabeus? Is he going to be the new guy cuz now we got another oppressor. It was the Babylonians, it was the Greeks, now it's the Romans. You know, there's actually a Roman garrison built right next to the temple. So you cannot go worship God without knowing that the Roman soldiers are keeping their eyes on you, buddy. Uh, And that's what their thought is. Are you going to be the one now that will overcome these Romans? And, of course, it's why Jesus says, you know what? You you don't believe in me. (laughs) You don't even understand me. You don't even know what my ministry is, why I've come. I am the Christ, but not the Christ you're thinking about. All right. So, again, can you see how uh, setting, setting, setting is important to understand uh, John chapter 10. Big I, time. Yeah. I, before we run out of time, let me share with you one last one. If you would okay. read uh, the first couple of verses, first three verses of John chapter five.
0: Okay. John chapter five. First few verses here. All right. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five-roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And so,
1: again, we have another location. Uh, we have uh, the pool of Bethesda. But what I thought was interesting, what I'd never paid attention to before, is the pool is right close to what?
0: The pool is close to the, uh, the Sheep Gate.
1: The Sheep Gate is interesting, Matt, and in that, uh, you know, they had to rebuild the city. They had to rebuild the city. We, we talked about that when the Babylonians had destroyed it. And did you know the Sheep Gate is the only gate, and there's lots of gates in the city, but it's the only gate that was actually consecrated. All right. None of the other gates were consecrated. None of the other gates were made holy. And this gate was made holy because this is the gate through which they would bring the lambs for sacrifice.
0: Okay. This sheep gate makes yeah. sense. And yeah. some, some,
1: some scholars even think that's why the pool was there, because they, they would ceremonially wash these sheep as they bring them in uh, for the sacrifice. But again, I, I, I don't think that's by coincidence, because I think John is saying now another lamb of God has entered into the city of Jerusalem yes. through the sheep gate. And immediately it goes to the people who are in need, the blind, the lame and the paralyzed, because he wants to do something for them. Uh, Now, because of time, I want to share with you one more location, because this is where location, location, location applies to us. Go back to John 10, if you would please, and let's read the words that Jesus tells us there. Um, Read uh, verse 28 And 29, and this is Jesus, of course, speaking to those who are his sheep. This is the good shepherd chapter, by the way. Yeah, beautiful
0: chapter. Okay, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand.
1: So here's the thing, it is location, 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 and the great cover that you and I and all of our listeners, I'm talking to everybody without distinction, as you pointed out last week, Matt, Uh, where, where is our location, Matt?
0: Yeah, in the hands of our good shepherd.
1: Yep and and nobody's going to snatch us out of that hand and because of that we are going to have eternal life and and actually in the in the Greek it doesn't just say they will never perish but it repeats the word eternal it uses the word eternal twice which is an awesome word i don't know if we can truly comprehend something that's eternal cuz here everything comes and goes everything uh starts and stops but eternal life and there will not be any eternal perishing uh, because of our location. We are in the hand. We are in the hand of Jesus and in the hand of Father. And and I would have to agree. I don't think anybody's greater than God. So as long as we're in the Father's hand, we have it made. So any any comments that you want to add? Because again, when you're reading John, uh, dear listener, pay attention to the locations because they all have some message to share with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's beautiful. No one can snatch them out of my hand, right? And I mean, there's, there's, I mean, that's so beautiful. There's no circumstance, there's not war, there's not economic troubles that are going to snatch you out. And not even Satan himself, you know, in those preceding verses, it talks about him, you know, accusing Jesus of having a demon, you know, so no demon, no, no devil, Satan can't snatch you out of out of your savior's hands uh, because he's, he's greater than, than those things. And what a comfort that is to us.
1: And it's interesting that if you read the entire chapter, Jesus is actually repeating the words he said earlier. He talks about the robbers who come that we might perish. He talks about the wolves that would come and snatch us away. And and now he says, let me tell you this. No robber is going to make you perish. No wolf is going to come and snatch you away. And you can be guaranteed because it has nothing to do with you. It just has to do with who is your shepherd. Uh, We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. He has us in our hand. He's He's put us in our father's hand. No one's going to snatch us out of that. Uh, This has been Wrestling Wrestling with with the the basics. Basics.